This is the Total Football Podcast. I'm your host, Eggenhart. And I'm Andrew Conway. Let's get on with the show. This fellow Ronaldo is a cod. Arsene Wenger has been in Japan for a year. He doesn't know anything about English football. I have nothing to say. I'm so sorry, I have nothing to say. It's the history of the Tottenham. (laughs) (laughs) But this action is really incredible. Incredible. If you don't know the answer to that question, then I think you, you, you are an ostrich. You're a goal down, it's the 94th minute, you earn a penalty, but your best taker is on the bench. But also, the opposition keeper has a poor record himself. You're also now suddenly David Moyes. What do you do? You know, you you assess where you are and you, you, take, a, you take a deep breath in and then you uh, decide to resign your position and go and enjoy your millions. <laughs> yeah, yeah so that's, that's what I would do. Um, that or uh, you know, I, I, well, you know, I wouldn't resign immediately. I, I'd play it out and see uh, how it's going. But I'd definitely uh, go buy a buy a big house in Spain with a nice pool and and relax myself. But do you bring on Mark Noble to take the penalty, or do you let? Uh, I think it was Declan Rice was ready to take it. No, I would have just let him take it and let it be done. Send it straight down the middle as well, because the hair always dies out of the way. Which yeah, like a lot of actually, a lot of keepers. They, they that, showed. Like, yeah. They obviously showed um, on Sky like they always do the last five penalties that the the taker had, had done, and for Mark Noble like two or three of them had been down the middle, so I assumed that's what he was going to do, and I was like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if Daya got it? Because we never mm. see that happen. Uh, but instead, nope. he just hit like the most tame penalty. Like if you were a keeper and you're trying to imagine the perfect yeah, penalty for you to save, yeah. like that's what Mark Noble did. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't uh, the hardest one to read in the world either. He kind of ran up to it. You contrast it to um, who scored a good penalty over the weekend. I was trying to. There was another penalty. Can be another penalty there over the weekend. Neil Mope scored one. Was it that? No, it might have been that one. Um, where it was? Uh, I want to say no. It was Ivan Tony? Uh, oh yes, he's very good at them. Yeah, and he basically he 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 took one step up. It's not the greatest technique, and if it doesn't work, you look stupid. It's the old Frank De Boer technique of standing over the ball, basically taking one step and hitting it. And he looked completely. He'd sent the keeper. I'm going to die. I'm going to send this to your right, and he just hit it straight down the middle or a bit to the left, maybe, if I remember correctly. But he basically sent the keeper the wrong way uh, by just like running the run up to towards it and then doing it. And basically, that's what. Uh, Mark Noble did, except he kicked the ball the way he sent. He, he was aiming, you know, he looked like he was running to hit it that way, and he, he did hit it that way, and it was perfect height for De Gea, and I think he looked as surprised as anyone else that he managed to save it, um, to be quite it, honest. It, it was a nice moment for De Gea, though, I suppose, when you consider, like, people still obviously remember uh, the Europa League final and how he was, not only did he not save any of the 11 penalties, but then he went on a missed the last penalty which cost him the game and the fact that you know since then there's been a lot of talk about how he's a really bad penalty record and it has been a while since he saved one and I suppose he has also started the season well enough much better than I suppose he was last year so you know it's a nice moment for him when you see all the main United players go up to him and it was clearly a big moment because it won them the game uh, really so I suppose that was a nice moment but uh, Mark Noble the sacrifice for that 
So where does this leave David Moyes then? Is his golden record completely gone? Is he never, and Mark Noble for that matter, in his last season, is he going to miss every penalty? Is he never going to play for West Ham again? Are, are West Ham going to drop through the table now that they've finally been defeated? Yeah, what, what was funny for me was just how much, I think it was a, it was a Martin, Taylor, Martin Tyler on um, commentary. It was Rob Hawthorne, I think, was doing that match. Cause, B team. Um, no, because... Um, Martin Tyler did the, the four o'clock game, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he really was bigging up the penalty. Like it was like I almost felt like this is an FA Cup final, and he's taken the penalty to win the game or something. I was like, this is just a league match at the end of the day to earn one yeah. point. Uh, you know, obviously you'd at rather, the beginning of the season. Yeah, obviously yeah. you'd rather not lose, but not the biggest. Like we won't look back on West Ham season and say, "Ah, oh, this is the moment to cost them." Back. So, yeah. uh, I think Mark Noble and David Moyes will be fine. But yeah, uh, it's funny as well because it's David Moyes against his old club, and and things go wrong for him again. It seems like he just can't catch a break against Man United. No, and it's yeah, it's the curse really. Um, it's the curse of David Moyes against top sides. <laughs> Uh, it's it's reared its ugly head yet again, and it's also the you know the curse of kind of former Manchester United affiliated managers failing to get a result out of things. Um, yeah, it's 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 coming up time and time again, twice in a week if you if you count Steve Steve Bruce last week. Yeah, Steve Bruce uh, always good for three points for Man United or six points rather. Yeah. Um, but uh, moving on, I, w- I want to talk about as well the the civil war going on at, at Manchester City. Uh, when Pep Guardiola just decided to randomly take it, 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 what he said wasn't specifically a pop at the Man City fans, but it was interpreted as such, and it was read as such yeah. by quite a lot of people, uh, which did not go down well. You know, never really, you know, manage, man, management one on one. Don't have a go at the fans. <laughs> well, like I think you can have a go at the fans, and and certain managers have done it over the years um, when they've earned the respect, obviously, of of the fans and. I, I do think Pep Guardiola should be given that respect by the City fans. I do think what he said originally in the Champions League and like kind of I hope all the plan- fans show up for the Southampton match at the weekend. We really need the support. He kind of said it with a smile on his face as he was saying it. So I don't know was he having a joke with the 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 person interviewing him or was he just you know kind of just saying making a commentary on the empty stadium for the Champions League match. I don't know. Like it didn't. I don't. I don't really understand. It could have been as just a bit of a storm and teacup if the fan group, ju- the fans group, just ignored it. But instead, they commented on it and made some weird comments about him and and stuff like that. It was kind of unnecessary. Um, but yeah, I I think it did somewhat distract from the occasion. I don't think it probably affected the players in any greater meaningful way. But it kind of it put this bit of narrative around the result. And if it was bad, which you know traditionally teams in the Champions League don't do the best Saturday matches or Sunday matches after a Champions League match and especially one that was as hard as 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 Man City made their game into uh, by the end of it conceding three goals as they did during midweek against their German opposition um, it did make the, the weekend fixture that much harder and the fact they could, didn't put away the chances they had really kind of forced home things yeah, like, it, it was bad enough that, okay, you know, he makes his initial remarks and, and he doesn't explicitly say, oh, you know, it would be great if uh, we actually had some support on Saturday as opposed to what we had here. But it's very easy to see how other people interpret it as that was what he was kind of saying, uh, especially when he kind of looks around the ground and you can kind of see there are empty seats around him and he's kind of gesturing to them without gesturing to them. 
Um, yeah. But he makes everything worse by on the Friday being like, no, I, I won't apologize. I, I, I said what I said and, and it's your yeah. fault that you misinterpreted me. I couldn't have made myself clearer. You know, it's just, it's such a PR own goal. Um, and then again, it's not helped by the fact that they don't beat Southampton uh, in a match that, you know, Southampton are decent opponents. We've seen them get a draw against Man United this season. But you'd expect Man City at home to beat Southampton and beat them comfortably 3 or 4 nil. Most well, of they the got... In, it, yeah, they, in fairness, there was the decision at the end of the match that Ralph Hasn't... I think he got on his knees celebrating when the goal wasn't given against them. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I think they were fortunate to get away with the point in the end. Um, but although the I, Kyle Walker should have been sent off and it should have been a penalty, so I think the referee and decisions kind of evened themselves up uh, in that match. But but even um, so, it wasn't really like they didn't create that many opportunities in a game, or you would expect them to as well. And then they just didn't convert either. So um, you know, it's a it, yeah, it's yeah. A, I think it was a classic Champions League hangover, and it wasn't helped by the PR situation surrounding the match. Uh, I do think it was an un, it was avoid an avoidable situation in in all. Like Pep did not need to make those comments. I don't know was he being prodded beforehand to make say something about the situation, and then when he's you know when you make those comments you you expect that kind of backlash. I think he was probably pissed off uh, at the fans, and Pep doesn't necessarily hide his emotions very well, as we all know. He's you know he's very happy all the time. <laughs> he's so happy you can't believe how happy he is. Um, so you can, you know, he doesn't hide his discomfort very well. Uh, so it kind of made the whole situation worse. Someone who won't be all too happy is, of course, uh, Nuno Espirito Santo. Not only did they lose last week 3-0 to Crystal Palace, this time they lost 3-0 to Chelsea. Back-to-back London derbies, back-to-back 3-0 losses. Uh, you know, they started the season quite well by winning their first three games 1-0, but now suddenly they're, uh, they're only just a few points ahead of their North London rivals Arsenal. Yeah, uh, they were really obliterated, to be quite honest, um, in both of these matches. They weren't able to get out uh, for large sways of the match. They were basically kept under control. It's like keeping somebody in a pen. They were they were just completely contained. And the teams, if they chose to attack at them, attacked at them. If they chose to just hold them off and keep them at arm's length, they, they could do that as well and, and, and break on them. Um, Palace and and Chelsea both did that in the last, in the last week. And it, it is very concerning from his point of view. Um, that kind of a similar a similar style of football that came about last season uh, near the tail end of Jose Mourinho and, and, and following on in the caretaker years uh, has seemingly taken hold again. Uh, so far, Nuno Espirito hasn't really, what, what would be the phrase, he hasn't implanted on, on this team. He hasn't really given them a, a DNA uh, in keeping with what we'd expect to see at Wolves. Uh, or his, his previous scenes before that, uh, the hard-biting, hard-defending, um, counter-attacking style of football that really hasn't hasn't come through at all uh, thus far. So it's it's a bit concerning, uh, I would say, from a, a Spurs point of view, that like you'd expect at the very least that he'd get a bit of defensive organisation going with them, and, and even that's kind of de- devoid at the moment. Like if it wasn't for that opening <laughs> opening day victory, I think it'd be a, a lot more concern at White Hart Lane already. Like we know traditionally Daniel Levy is slow to remove managers. He does give them adequate time. Um he has done in the past anyway, so uh we we'll wait and see. But yeah, it's 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 worrying early days, especially when like you know Spirit will know he was was he even the third or fourth choice for that job? Um that there is oh, other ones. Yeah. There's other 
there's other managers available at the moment that maybe they'll think that they can they can entice into into that job uh especially given that you know they've got harry kane for the season definitely this now so maybe they can do something with it they're still in europe they, they there'll be a chance at that tournament perhaps um but yeah the the league campaign i i'd be not that i'd be writing it off already by any stretch of the imagination but yeah you're right the comparison to arsenal given that they how concerning the situation is at that club and that they're just on the tails of tails of spurs as, as that north london derby approaches is, is a bit concerning for for tottenham fans yeah and, and the really concerning part is that both son and kane you know obviously relied upon a lot last year to get the goals for tottenham not really firing like kane hasn't started the season well at all no. uh, in the couple of games that he's had so far and i suppose some of that could be rustiness and hangover from not getting the move to Man City and, and maybe that'll improve in the next month or so but how long do you wait mm-hmm. you know how long are you supposed to wait before uh, Harry Kane starts playing well like in the meantime you suffer um, and, and with Son like he's picked up injuries and, and I think um, you know he's not really at full fitness he's got you know he got that goal against Man City but you know that's two two games in a row now where the team as well haven't scored and when they're not firing uh, it, there's going to be more games that they don't score because you look at that team and you know who else is there to really you know someone who can just bag in 10 goals a season uh, maybe 15 all competitions there's not really anyone um, you know maybe a couple of players that might, be, might get 5 league goals at most like uh, Giovanni Lo Celso might get maybe. 2 or 3 um, Indombele might get 2 or 3 Bergwijn might get 5 or 6 um, but other than that you are relying on two players to basically get 20 goals each. Um, and so far, they don't really look like creating a whole lot. Like, the fact that they're winning games 1-0 and then when they lose, they lose heavily. Yeah. Um, it is concerning because that's a route to inconsistency right there. Um, you know, I thought after those first three games, like, maybe, you know, things will be all right. They, did, they didn't play too well, but they are grinding out wins. But since, since the international break has come back... You know they just look porous, um, and and you're right that Chelsea like that fir- first half was interesting because like the first half was probably the best Tottenham played all season, but then Ingolo Kante comes on, they get a goal quickly from Thiago Silva, then Kante scores, albeit a very fortunate goal, but after that it was just keeping it at arm's length for Chelsea. They looked so comfortable at that point, it could have been four or five now really I think Timo Werner and Lukaku at a couple like at one point I, I was looking away but I could hear the commentary and, and they just said Lukaku's throwing goal now and he squares it to Timo Werner and I was just like why oh. did he square it <laughs> just take the shot it's like yeah you can tell he's new around here he hasn't learned yet to not pass it to Timo yeah. Werner the, Don't give it in to the Timo. crucial moments uh, Timo got an assist <laughs> for the third goal for Rudiger he did pick him out although it, it, Rudiger was the don't... was the worst chance I think on in that it was it was better by Rudiger scoring the goal than it was Werner picking out Rudiger. But it's not necessarily that you should never pass the team. It's just don't pass the team on the six yard box. Yeah. You know, it's just not going to end well. <laughs> so uh, that Lukaku learned that uh, I suppose in a pretty comfortable scenario with their mm. with them already doing a lot. But I just thought it was really funny. Yeah. Um. So yeah, a comfortable win for for Chelsea, which I suppose is just what they needed after a couple of kind of shaky performances for them. But for Tottenham, like they're going into that North London derby, and that, that could be a a make or break game for the next couple of weeks for them. Yeah, like coming out of the international break, the the stories were that Arsenal needed to get victories uh, to in order to keep Arteta in the job, 
and now they've got those wins and, and going into the North London Derby they probably have a bit of leeway when it comes to expectations like I don't think anyone is necessarily expecting Arsenal to win uh, this North London Derby but I think it, it, given how Spurs' this last few weeks have gone given how their performances have kind of dipped given what you've said as well in their 1-0 victories this season they've been kind of underwhelming and scraping through and, and holding out for it you kind of suspect that they'll be dreading playing a, a match of this magnitude because it, it is one of the a fiercely contested derby um, it's Nuno's first as, as Tottenham manager it, it, no it's actually his second because they did play a pre-season friendly um, so you know and they did win doesn't count did they win that they did win that as well I think uh, yeah it doesn't count yeah I know but so it isn't his first but you know it, it, it is, is his first it is an experience for him um, and given that he's going in under under probably what would be significant pressure certainly pressure I don't think he would have he ever faced at Wolves in terms of I don't think his job is you know he went through bad times at Wolves where their results weren't great but it was still Wolves it was still a team not of, of Tottenham's calibre or, or expectation I should say um, so I'd, I'd say he'll be going into this under a lot of pressure, nursing probably out of form players throughout the team as you, as you've laid out. And do they have enough to actually overwhelm this Arsenal side? Like this Arsenal side going into it, not playing well still, but they're grinding out results and really probably will be set up to grind against against Tottenham in, in this match and really work them hard and and be defensively solid and, and, and play on the counter-attack. Probably play quite similar to the way Nuno wants to play. And I I think Nuno will be expected to go out there and set this Tottenham side out to attack given the last few weeks. And w- will they be able to do that? I don't know. I think, yeah, it, it's a concerning time for Nuno. And, and if he does lose this in a heavy manner, the way they've lost the last two matches, I think maybe he will beat Arteta or somebody else to uh, the managerial sacking. Yeah, I think it's maybe a bit too early uh, into the season to talk about Nuno uh, losing the job, but I suppose if he lost this 3-0 as well... It wouldn't would be good, be, yeah. yeah. It, it, would turn, it would turn the narrative around very quickly, I suppose, yeah. but uh, yeah. Um, in other news as well, I wanted to bring up uh, what happened with the PSG game against Lyon. Uh, which they won two one thanks to a late. I think it was a Cardi got the winner. Uh, but the the moment I suppose of the match was Prince uh, Pochettino taking off Lionel Messi and them having that weird interaction on the bench, even though it seemed like Messi was actually kind of hurt. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> like Messi's made his bed now. He signed that contract. He's staying at PSG. So if he doesn't get on with the manager, I I, I think at this point at at the moment certainly I think Pochettino has more cachet. Uh, with the ownership uh, than Messi does it's not like a Barcelona where they're utterly dependent on him and he was the greatest guy in the world if if Messi doesn't want to play I think PSG are happy with that they have players that will play and win them the league most likely on the bench and they can just use Messi for his commercial potential um, which I don't think Messi wants so I think he's going to have to get on with it I think he has um, legitimate grievances with PSG and the way they're playing at the moment and the way that he's almost like I think you showed me the clip of him um, in the Champions League, where his entire team were just standing back watching him play, not moving, not not getting into position. And I think that is a very worrying sight to see. And I think Messi knows that's a worrying sight to see. And you know when things weren't working at the weekend, the the change up that was decided to be made wasn't to get the team to work a bit harder. It was to take Messi off. Yeah, like this, I I wasn't watching this match, so I only saw this this moment on on social media because it obviously very quickly went viral. 
But, uh, you know, they did draw one all with Club Rouge. They didn't really seem to threaten Club Rouge as much. It was Ander Herrera that scored. Uh, you know that goal-scoring fox-in-the-box Ander Herrera. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you can see the the problems there already, uh, which is why last week when we kind of talked about favourites of the Champions League, I was a bit hesitant on, on PSG. Is it just because there's just a total lack of cohesion there and there, there always seems to be a lack of cohesion there. Like... Um, yeah, uh, uh, it's interesting that you say that you think Pochettino has a bit more cachet at, at PSG than uh, Messi does. You know, it, it was said, I think, by um, Kike Setien that, you know, he knew he was sacked because Messi had essentially said it to him. Yeah. And me- Messi had made the decision. Um, like, could Messi get Pochettino sacked if he were unhappy there or, or would it be a case of he would have to sit on the bench? Like, will will PSG do everything to placate this old Argentinian fellow or will they uh, placate the older Argentinian fellow? I think they, they'll placate the older Ar- Ar- Argentinian fellow. He is a legend of the club, or at least as a player. Or he, he maybe not a legend, but he was a, you know, a, we can maybe call him a cult hero. I don't know. A, a Paris Saint-Germain, Mauricio Pochettino. He came back, he, while not winning them the league or the Champions League for that matter, he did instill something a bit different about the side. He seems to have got the top players back on side with him, which is something that Tuchel had, had lost, I think, by the time he was leaving. Um, and, you know, is is a manager with a bit of pedigree behind him that, that has a way of playing a distinctive style of football to play. So I think the fans... And the board will back him for for the time being. That could all change, of course. But yeah, Messi signed a contract. He's there. There, as we well know, there is no other clubs that could afford him really, and that could fit him into their teams. Uh, that that really were it was an attainable purchase for them. So he's there for the foreseeable future. I don't think PSG are going to let him go um, easily either. So I think they either have to get on with it and and figure out a way forward. Which you know, Messi has done a player with managers before. He didn't always get on with Pep Guardiola but it didn't stop them winning things together so I, I, I think they, they'll they they'll have to find the the common ground the olive branch will have to be extended by one of them and they'll have to move forward with it otherwise yeah I could definitely see Messi playing a cameo um, like role for, for PSG and kind of winding down his career in a way he probably didn't want to and, and and is this, I suppose, the start of, of the decline of Messi? I know we don't really ah. want to see it happen. We, we've never really talked about it before because we don't believe it can happen. But if you remember 12 months ago, you know, he didn't really necessarily start to decline in the sense no. that he just kind of started last season slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you remember, Barcelona's results weren't great. He wasn't really putting up the numbers that he usually does. But then suddenly he just put up all the numbers that you normally does. It's like, oh, right, Messi is still Messi. He's just maybe taking a couple of weeks off or something. Yeah. I don't know. Like, is this maybe going to be a pattern of Messi's kind of twilight years where he just starts seasons more slowly than we're used to and then eventually ramps up to becoming that player that we all know and love? Uh, like, poss- you know, you, you could be right. You could It could be at the start of the decline, and it's obvious. But, like, he was... Wasn't he player of the tournament at the Copa America? He led Argentina to victory uh, in that uh, and and did his bit along the way. He still scored 30 goals in La Liga last season. Um, he still put away a good amount of Champions League goals as well. I think he scored five goals last season. He only played six matches. Yeah, he, so he, he was still he was still very good last year. Potentially like top three in the world still, maybe even top one. Mm. But he did start that season slowly. And I'm just wondering, is this the start of his kind of... 
not necessarily decline as a, as a quality of player because the things he's good at, I just don't think you stop being good at all of a sudden. Um, but it's more of a slowness to his game that the, the, the pace of the game maybe is, is catching up with him a little bit. Yeah, possibly, possibly. I think, I think, I think there is a bit of adaptation uh, to happen with Messi uh, uh, in France. Like we, the jokes are made about being a farmer's league, but it is certainly a different style of football than Spain. Um, like the teams don't roll over. Not that you know. I think the quality of football is higher in Spain, but I think there is often times where where teams lose in the in the tunnel. And I don't think I think almost the opposite. The the French mentality is very different in that regard. That playing against a big team, they actually a lot of teams raise their game to play against Paris Saint-Germain in France and they do better than they necessarily do in other games of the year um, and certainly Lyon would be in that I, I probably will put Lyon in that category um, of, of a good team that raises their game when they're playing against other good teams rather than you know the, the, the performances they necessarily put in against so-called weaker sides um, so I think that definitely has an effect but like I, I, I don't like I, I don't know if there's a terminal decline yet. I think it's early. It's very early in his days. He's played three, two or three matches now so far. It is unusual for him not to have scored a goal. It is unusual for him not to have, you know, created chances. Um. So, yeah, it's it, it's it's a difficult one to to judge this early on. I don't know. I don't know if there's enough. The 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 sample size isn't big enough, Declan. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm so happy, believe me. I'm so happy. Happy New Year. Man City are the holders. Chelsea are their contenders to take the crown. This was the last year's Champions League final and public opinion is starting to sway in Thomas Tuchel's favour. The two sides meet on Saturday afternoon, but who has looked best five games in and is there anyone else that can really butt in on this title race? Um... (laughs) That's kind of my feeling of it at the moment. Well, I suppose... First of all, there is, I think, definitely someone that can put it in the stories because Liverpool are right there. Yeah, like they're like this is this is the kind of question I had for you. Like Man City, I think, have disappointed me this season. Um, they, they, you know, they've dropped points, they've lost games, they've drawn games, they've they've not played particularly well. Some would say they're missing a centre forward, perhaps that can put away some of the chances they've been creating. Someone to tap in some of these like long balls over the from one end to the other end, the kind of. Uh, that that sh- that horseshoe kind of formation that, that Pep loves to play as an attacking manager, um, they are lacking a, a centre forward to really put away the chances. I think they la- they lack that definitely against Southampton. I think there was a few few opportunities where, you know, Raheem Sterling was at the end of it or Bernardo Silva was at the end of it, and really they needed a six foot four centre forward really to be knocking in these chances, not a not a little tiny guy. Um, so yeah, there there is a bit of that, but at the same time, I I I'm, I, I worry that. The, it happened a bit at Barcelona. It kind of happened at times in big matches at Bayern Munich as well under Pep Guardiola that he is a bit of an ideologue. He is a guy that sticks to the way, his way of playing. And if he doesn't necessarily have the players to perfectly perform his way of playing, he still sticks to that way of playing. And um, that can still work most of the time because he, he generally manages very good teams with very good players that can still make things work. Um, but sometimes against stubborn opposition... It, it will result in you losing games or drawing games or, or you know, basically not putting in the performances that your your, your team and the players on the pitch uh, necessarily merit uh, because they're playing a, a style of football that simply isn't working. I think that's why they 
are not one of the greatest teams of all time, despite you know getting the points totals that they've got under Pep Guardiola. Why they don't ro- really completely spin away with the league every single year and and do well in the Champions League because they're not willing to adapt their game to the to the opposition that they play against, even when the opposition have a way of at least nullifying uh, the impact that that their players can have. I think Tottenham did that expertly in the first game of the season. I think Southampton did that to an extent. I think Leipzig got at them. Um, uh, in in a similar way and I fully expect probably Chelsea to do it and l- later on in the season all the others will try to do it again and th- that may not stop City from winning the league but it certainly stops them from being considered one of the all-time great teams because they're not able to kind of adapt to situations but but that seems like a a pretty big weakness for them to have right now in a, in a season where we're looking at these three teams yeah. and I suppose to a lesser extent, Manchester United, and we're looking at these these title contenders, and we think, you know, they're going to win most games. It's going to be the games against each other that maybe decides things. And then you look at the results so far, like okay, it's only been five games, but you know, Chelsea, Tot- Chelsea, Liverpool, rather, they've only dropped points to each other in that one-all draw. Yeah. Whereas City have already dropped points to Southampton and now Tottenham, and and May United have only dropped points to Southampton. So. Like you, you look at that and you already think that's five points they've dropped relative to the others. Like it's only three on the table, but the, the other two managed to get a game against each other out of the way. Yeah. Uh, and I do think it's going to be the consistency to just put those teams away that could could, you know, help Liver help Liverpool and Chelsea just put out that bit of a gap against Man City so that the games against them don't matter as much as when Chelsea play Liverpool or or Liverpool play Man United and Chelsea play Man United. Like I think that that could be there on doing this year and that's kind of why I think in general public opinion has kind of swayed in in Chelsea's favor at the moment like generally I think a lot of people have Chelsea down as yeah. the team to beat right now um even though Liverpool are themselves playing quite well um but uh you know there's a reason why I think people are kind of going a bit cold on Man City yeah, uh, I, and I com- completely see it. Like, I'm personally for me, I still have City as favourites because I think they will beat. While you're right, they are going to drop points needlessly, often against top teams. But I think they will beat the majority of sides because they just are. You know, they can drop a hundred million on a on a creative midfielder when they already have multitude of creative midfielders in the squad. That's the type of team City are. So I, that's why I still have them as favourites. But definitely, if another team of immense quality and I think 11 on 11 Chelsea have a team to match City if they can sustain a run and not fall victim of of the normal goings on that generally do happen to Chelsea and Chelsea managers uh, of just completely disintegrating and falling apart and falling out with each other and and not really holding it together I I, I do think they they could be in in dodgy territory as the season progresses and they could end up uh, you know abdicating their throne as league champions the way they did against Liverpool a couple of years ago yeah, like I, I, I kind of also think that Chelsea. I, I, right now, my mind says that Chelsea are going to do it just because I don't see that happening. I don't see them falling. Uh, it'll happen. It'll happen. <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to happen this season, though. I don't see it happening immediately. Like they, they're playing um, just so well. They, they're rotating their players in and out quite well. I don't see, you know, anything. There's nothing out there right now that says to me this is this is the the thing that's going to stop them in terms of off-field antics. Like, there's nothing... 
that's popping out right now. Um, which well, normally there now is you've said that now is. you've said that it's going to happen right now. <laughs> this moment, but there's normally but there's normally always something kind of bubbling under the surface at Chelsea, whether it's older players unhappy with the manager or Timo or Werner not getting of played. Play. You know, uh, but but honestly, do you think Timo Werner is the guy that will stand up for himself? Because just look at how he plays football. <laughs> No, it is a good point. It is a good point. Timo Werner does not stand up for himself. He is uh, he is someone who who squares the ball to anti Rudiger in the box. <laughs> yeah, he, you know he doesn't. He seems like you know as long as they keep winning, I think he'll be quite happy to be there. He's got a Champions League winners medal. Yeah, he does. Um, out of it, so even though he played a lot more obviously last season, I, I think as the season goes on, he'll get more minutes. Yeah, because there's Champions League. He'll probably play midweek in the League Cup and probably. and when the FA come. FA Cup comes back as well in January for Chelsea. Yeah, they have four so fronts, I, so you know they, there's a lot of game time. They're going to be paying sixty and, odd and, matches. So. And, and Tuchel is a manager that likes to rotate. Like he generally yeah. brings players in and out of the team to keep everyone fresh, which I think is a good strategy to have going into the season. So right now, I think they will win the league, but I don't think that also means that they're a better team than Man City. I just think they have that consistency. Like you watch them and and. You know, they, they just don't concede that many chances. Like, I do think they do have an N'Golo Kante issue. That's maybe the silver bullet that stops them uh, winning the league is him picking up a serious injury. Uh, and, you know, it's quite interesting that it was when he came on on Sunday that Chelsea suddenly not only obviously scored, but they looked so much better. Um, and he didn't play against Aston Villa last week and they looked so much worse. I don't think he played against Zenit and that was a very close game that mm-hmm. Zenit had chances to score. Like they're giving up more chances when Kante isn't there. So to an extent, he is a silver bullet. Yeah. But if we were to assume that he stays fit or he's able to play the majority of games this season, like I think that they just have the more cohesive unit. They they have that bit of everything. You know, They prevent chances. They create their own... Uh, they have depth in the rest of the team that if you know another player gets injured, I don't think it's a disaster. Um, maybe Lukaku, I don't know. Um, Some big Timo then, up on his own. We need yeah, you, Timo. We rely on you. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it this way: Lukaku will be their top scorer this season, but maybe Jorginho penalty will be their second top scorer again. Uh, but I do think it will be enough for them to to win the league as long as they continue to just not concede any chance. Like the only goal they conceded in the league so far this season, or in all competitions this season, has been a penalty at Anfield, um, which obviously is still early days. But that is that is impressive. Um, yeah. So it, it's that, and and these game this game now on Saturday between the two will be quite interesting. But I, I and again I look at it and I think, you know. I think Chelsea will probably get a result out of this, whether it's just a draw they'll be fine with, or they actually get the win here. Yeah. Because like I think Man City obviously do have the capacity to just kill any team at any given moment, six nil, five nil, whatever. But and we've already seen them win two games five nil this season. But I still think they will have those frustrating nil all draws and given how good the opposition are in terms of the title race, I don't think they'll be allowed to get away with those this year. Yeah, like I agree with you. I don't think they are. I think the the the, the leash that they have uh, this year to kind of mess up is going to be a lot shorter than it was last season. Um, not as short as the season where they, you know, the ninety nine point season. I think that was a, a different whole different kettle of fish. Um, but yeah, certainly the, the, they'll have less at margin for error. I, you know, there, there's one there's one variable we haven't thrown into this match or mentioned in this match, and that's last season's Champions League. I know you mentioned at the outset, but last season's Champions League final, like. City will want revenge. I'd imagine Kevin De Bruyne will want to kick Anthony Rudiger pretty hard. 
Um, it nearly cost him the Euros as well as costing him his, 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 you know, the rest of that Champions League final and, and possibly winning the Champions League. Um, so I think he he will want revenge in that match. Whether Pep will as much, I don't know. I think Pep is resigned to to accepting defeat quite easily, which is funny in a manager. Um, but yeah, he the. There is something there that I think we we need to quantify as well and, and really put into perspective that maybe there is a bit of revenge going into this match and, and they won't want to lose it or even draw it and they will go all out in it and maybe that was uh, there could be a, a sign of they were saving themselves for this match I don't know if that will actually materialize <laughs> by the time Sunday rolls around uh, but yeah it could be it could be a very heated affair so as I say. Yeah, I mean, we have seen in the past these two teams uh, get in fisticuffs with each other under uh, Pep Guardiola as well. Was yeah. it uh, the 3 1 at the Etihad back in 2016 where two uh, Man City players got sent off late in the game? Um, as well as also maybe a Chelsea player, I can't quite remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was definitely a big fight, I remember that much. Um, like, But also, when we look at previous meetings, like Chelsea have kind of actually been a bit of a bogey team for Pep. You know, it wasn't just the Champions League final that they beat them last year under Tuchel. It was yeah. the FA Cup semi-final. It was in the league. Um, you know, those two games are obviously less important uh, for Man City because, you know, the FA Cup, they've won it. You know, obviously it would have been nice to beat Chelsea in that game, but it wasn't the priority, especially with the Champions League final coming up. And I think they knew at that point that they were playing Chelsea. Uh, and then also that league game, City were definitely resting players. Um, whereas Chelsea were still fighting for top four at that point. So, you know, it was maybe advanced to Chelsea mentally in those two games yeah. as well. But they have been a Bowie team. And when you get used to beating it, or when you have beaten a team a few times, you kind of get used to it. Um, and it helps in the next game psychologically. Um, so, you know, that, that's going to be an interesting dynamic. Like, you, I, I do think you're right that City will be well up for this. But Stamford Bridge hasn't been the best place for them either in the past. I know they beat them there when, in, in 2017. Um, but like they, it was there that they lost the lead to Liverpool. Um, it was there that they lost their unbeaten run the season under Maurizio Sarri. Um, so it has been a bit of a bogey place for them as well. Um, so in terms of this match, I think generally I, I'd have advantage Chelsea. I, I, I'm... I'm gonna cowardly. I'm gonna err towards the side of a draw in this game. Uh, of course, you will even potentially. I I don't necessarily think this is gonna be an exciting game, perhaps. Mm. But I think we'll learn a lot about both teams in it. Yeah, like it, um, it will give us an indication of you know where, I think where especially Chelsea are at this point because, you know, while they did beat Tottenham at the weekend, that you know, that. Uh, Tottenham side were handily destroyed by uh, Crystal Palace last week and that Crystal Palace side were beaten by Liverpool and by you know virtue of re- recency uh, that means Liverpool are better than are much better than uh, Tottenham Hotspur who beat Man City and therefore Liverpool are better than Man City and if the winner you know etc and so forth you get to a, a point where Liverpool you know greater than equal to mathematics and algebra uh, that leads to the a really weird league table um, so we, yeah, I think it will tell us a lot about about where these teams now stand and where they are in the grand echelon of, of you know league champions. Because um, you know you could argue that if 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 uh, Chelsea win this comfortably, then Liverpool must be the main title rivals. 
Yeah, and I suppose we we should definitely talk about Liverpool. who won, you know, handily enough three 0 against Palace. They they had a bit of a shaky start to that game, but once they went one 0 up, it was kind of inevitable that they'd score a second and third. And it was funny actually as well that they scored the same goal three times, yeah. uh, which maybe points to a weakness in Chris Palace's set piece defending uh, that they should maybe be, be a bit concerned about. And I hope they worked on today in training. Um, but yeah, Liverpool. It's funny as well that they've actually copied Chelsea's results in the first five games. They won the same scoreline like every weekend, um, and then obviously drew with each other one all, uh, which is a bit freaky, um, to say the least. But like they 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 look themselves. You know, they look as good as they did two three years ago before. I I suppose the kind of blip year that they had last year. Um, everything seems to be slotting into place for them right now. I do think that they, you know, we've said this before, that they have the, the weakest overall squad and that might be what does it in for them. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see where Klopp kind of lays his priorities. I think we maybe already saw a hint of that this week with them playing a bit of a weakened side in the Champions League and it nearly backfiring on them. Um, and obviously they've got that injury to Harvey Elliott as well, mm. which wasn't helpful either. Um, but, you know, on their day, they're clearly still... You know they are at the very least one of the top three sides in England by a distance. Like I think the reason we won't really consider Man United in this conversation is because I think Man United right now are squarely the fourth best team in England. Like I don't, I think that's the top four. I don't think that's going to change like all season now, unless Brighton keep continue winning, <laughs> which would be funny because um, they are ahead of Man City right now. We we should acknowledge, yes. uh, you know, Grand Grand Potter rules and all that. You yeah, know? talk about Brighton um, there, Declan. Talk about Brighton for the next twenty minutes. <laughs> I will not. Um, but, you know, with with Liverpool, I do think they should be in this conversation. I don't know, do they quite have the squad to be able to challenge over 38 games? But when they play Man City, they will give Man City a tough game. And as we saw against Chelsea, they'll give Chelsea a tough game. And I think that they could be within five or ten points. And at that point, variance can play such an odd role. You know, luck, obviously, is such oh, yeah. a big part of the sport as well that uh you know Liverpool should absolutely be in this conversation like they've got everything like that you know their midfield isn't quite up to the level of the other two and we've said that over the years but you know Trent Alexander-Arnold and Lenny Robertson kind of make up for that in the creativity aspect and that they they've worked around that so well and you know that's that was the bedrock of their league title in the Champions League win so it's going to be really interesting like we haven't had a title race in 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 a while um, obviously the 98, 99, 98 points that, that uh, Liverpool and Man City got mm. was close, but I wouldn't even really consider that a title race just because well, both teams won every game. That was a uh, race. It was a race of sorts. It wasn't a traditional one where there was points being given out. It was just like the, the league was won very early in that season. Uh, exactly. Uh, so, you know, we're going back quite a while to a more traditional title race, and it's been a while since we've had three teams that we could big up, um, which is very exciting. And I suppose, while I don't think Man United will be in this title race, they will be a deciding element to it. I do think the games against Man United will be massive. And, yeah. you know, it, would, it, it wouldn't shock me if the team that beats Man United twice is the team that goes on and wins the league by a couple of points. Sheffield United, yeah, I know. Um, yeah, like, uh, I, 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 I get what you're saying about Manchester United maybe not having the composite parts to really stage a title challenge I know I get thrown back to what Gary Neville said last week about um, United and how even with Ronaldo he still had doubts in his mind and that's that was coming from you know the most famous one of the most famous Manchester United fans there is out there who who does favor United in a lot of things um, 
so if he if he says he doesn't think they'll win it, he, they probably won't. But you know, you're right. On their day, they're probably a match for anybody, especially if Ronaldo's firing. He's a, he's a risk at any point. There, their other attacking players are exceptional as well, and and could put the fear into everybody, especially if they're playing a counter-attacking game against you, which they will be doing against the top teams. Um, so yeah, and it, it, you're probably right in that if if a team can manage to beat them twice uh, out of the t- out of the t- other title challengers, they're probably going to be crowned champions. Yeah, and it kind of leaves the rest of the league in a weird spot as well because every week now we're kind of just assuming that these probably four teams will win most weekends mm. except for when they play each other. So it leaves kind of you know the likes of Leicester in a weird spot, and Leicester have started quite poorly. Leaves you know Arsenal and Tottenham, who we would have considered as part of the big six, maybe eighteen, twelve months ago. You know they feel a little lost right now, and and then there's the likes of Aston Villa and Leeds, who seem like they are on the verge of something, and now the drawbridge drawbridge has got to be pulled up underneath them. Yeah. Um. So it, it's going to make for a bit of a weird overall season, I would say, and and it means that I think every week we're going to end up. Kind of, kind of circling back on this conversation of like, well, yeah, these are the title, title contenders yeah. at the moment, yeah, uh, which is a little odd. But there's nothing. It's funny, even though you say that, there's nothing that is so far this season. Even though we've seen a fair bit of football already, that has swayed either your mind or my mind over picking a different title, title winner. I still think City will do it because they've been there and done that, and they have the ability to drop any amount of money on any player they want, and they will win. 85% of their matches or 90% of their matches even while you still think Chelsea while you know not necessarily having the, the financial resource of City they certainly have exciting attacking players and have fitted in the missing pieces that they had from a European Cup winning side um, so yeah it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out because I anything I think could still like we're, we're, we're basing our assumptions on, on very little data so far so anything could still happen yeah, like I saw um, uh, someone put up uh, an XG goal difference per 90 table, which is usually a very good indicator of uh, where people's strengths and weaknesses are. And, and generally it shows a good um, you know, idea of where everyone is in the yeah. league table, even if it's not where they actually are in the league table. Uh, but it only it's only been five games and it does look a little, look, look a little weird, but right at the top, Man City and Liverpool were far ahead of anyone else. So... Um, I think that was a pretty clear indicator that those two teams are, are playing quite well. It was a bit of a, you know, the Chelsea one was a little odd just because they had that game against Liverpool where they were down to 10 men, which kind of sways the numbers a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it also sways the numbers a little bit in Liverpool's favour. But then Man City were just, they were up there completely on merit. So these teams are, are just far and away the best. Like Man United were also in there. I think they were like six or seven as well. And they've had some weird games too so um yeah i think that's uh that's also a pretty strong indicator that what we're seeing with our eyes is, is being backed up by the numbers yeah yeah so far so good anyway for the <laughs> so far so good for the top teams in the premier league amazingly surprisingly <laughs> yeah i love football thank you so we've got two big games for us in, in the Premier League this weekend. So uh, let's start with the League Cup then, obviously. obviously. Uh, we're all so excited to have uh, our favourite domestic... Is it Carabao uh, this year English... again? I believe it's still Carabao, oh, yeah. Good for them. Uh, yeah, good good for, good for Carabao. Yeah. It's better than when that one year it was just the EFL trophy. Yeah, they couldn't, couldn't get, get a, title a sponsor. sponsor yeah. Well, we've had some... I, like No offence to Carabao, but they're one of the weakest of all the... 
name brands for the Mo- League Cup. Most forgettable. Yeah, you've had the Although, Curling Cup, Capital One Cup, Coca-Cola Cup. Capital One, yeah. Uh, the Milk Cup. Milk Cup. The Curling yeah. Cup. You know, the- Surely there could be a good, um, someone has made a good sporkle of all the different sponsors of English competitions. Yeah, I'd say that's... Like Barclays, Barclays. and Emirates FA Cup. Carlsberg. And the Pop... The Papa John's uh, oh, EFL yeah. trophy, God, uh, cool. whatever that what that one's called. What what was it before? LCD Vans trophy is it or the Saint Johnston's paint? Oh, Johnston's like, paint trophy. Like, yeah, yeah, such a random um, random sponsor as well. So uh, it's great. Well, we it's check a trade. It's check a trade trophy now, isn't it? It's which, Papa John's right now. Oh, it's a Papa think. John's. Okay. It, it was Check a Trade before that, which was not a bad name. Like the Check a Trade trophy just sounds fun to say. It does, yeah. It's a it's um, a good it's a good like word salad. But then again, Papa John's is also fantastic. Yeah, uh, for a different normal reasons. day, Papa John's. It's yeah. all I the ask. McDonald's community Community Shield is another one as well. Oh yeah, that's what it is now, yeah. isn't it? I think or, it's always been that. And, and and the fact that he, they couldn't allow uh, the name Charity Shield to continue because actually they didn't give any money to charity yeah. out of it or not enough. Um, but yeah, I suppose let's talk about... Uh, we, we I think we've done City, Chelsea to an extent other than I suppose you're looking forward to or do you think this will be an exciting game? Uh, <laughs> again, is, is the answer to it. You know what? You know How often do these big matches happen? As a matter of interest, I'm going to check right six, now. Six, six, eight times a season. Yeah. So <laughs> when you say it like that, it kind of makes them seem a bit, uh, a little bit uh, less fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, last year the the big games were all pretty drab. So um, we've had one big one so far, and it was okay. You know, it didn't help that a player got sent off halfway through it. Mm. Uh, it kind of took the sting out of it a little. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not. I, I think this one could be as, as boring as a nil all, um, which I think is just kind of what you get with this Chelsea team at the moment. Uh, but I suppose we should talk as well about the North London derby, which you know those games have been absolute classics over the years. Can we get another one on Sunday? Uh, yeah, like I, I, I think I think we will get a fairly ferocious affair. I'm not sure if we'll see a lot of goals in it. Arsenal aren't one to create goals, and neither are, are Tottenham this season. I think a lot will be on the line, as we said earlier in the show, with both managers. I think Arteta has given himself a bit of breathing space by winning those two matches, which you know they were expected to win against Burnley and, New- and Norwich and probably will against uh, in the League Cup against Wimbledon during the week. Um, so that will give them a bit of, you know, him a little le- professional leeway so he's not in worry of losing his job immediately like he would if they had lost those games uh, or even drawn them. But Nuno is in, yeah, I think he's in risky space at the moment. I think Harry Kane has a lot of people to prove wrong. Um, so he needs to turn up with performance. He generally does in North London derbies. I think he's the record goal scorer very close to it. Um, so you know he has a record to pr- progress. Uh, Son generally puts in good games as well in these in these uh, derbies. So yeah, we'll we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, it's going to be. I think it's going to be a, a fiery affair. I think there'll be a lot of tackles left in. I think there'll be a lot of. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a red card in this match. Yeah, it's it's funny because over the years when we talk about how good the North London Derby has been it's because Arsenal have maintained their kind of their general quality a top four level quality and then Tottenham got really good under well first Harry Redknapp and then Harry or not Harry Kane uh, Mirce Pochettino and that kind of they, they became very even and both 
high, very high quality, and Tottenham kind of overtook Arsenal as well, of course. But now they've both, at the same time, dropped a significant level and are both kind of fighting in the mid-table. Mm. Um, and, and both managers, I would say, would prefer to set up this game in, in a very... Um, They'd rather a slow pace of this game. They'd rather, you know, stay pretty solid at the back and, and try to catch the other team out, which generally leads to poor games. But I could see this game just getting a little chaotic because yeah. of the emotion around it. Uh, and I think that one goal could completely change this game into... Like, if, if we get one early goal, um, you know, the the atmosphere... Uh, I believe this game is at the Emirates. Sorry, the atmosphere around the Emirates in these games is generally quite good. Yeah. Um, I could see this getting very fiery, as you say, and and this could be a, a two or three, uh, two or three goals each kind of affair. Maybe yeah, if, we get, if you if, we if you lucky. think it'll open up that way, like I like this was the match Just with the Rabona last season. Uh, this fixture, it was yeah. yeah. So it, it, it's not necessarily that I think both teams will go for it. It's that I think both teams don't really have the general quality yeah. to rein it in. Yeah. Uh, so I could see a lot of chasing the game and actually getting the goal from both yeah. teams. Uh, in this game so uh, hopefully it'll be uh, another classic I think Granite Xhaka can return for this match you know he never misses <laughs> he'd love he'd love <laughs> a good another red card against uh, another team in in this game so he could be back for it like it, it will be interesting because I think both teams will roughly have a, a fairly solid uh, both squads which is something that they haven't really been able to pull from so far this season they've all both teams have had missing players through suspension or injury for most games um, so this will be the first time we'll, we'll get like both teams will get a good run out against each other. There'll be you know more than just the points on the line. There's personal pride. There's the the derby. The fans will be well up for it. The first real derby that the fans are back for in number. Um, so yeah, I think I I think there's it's I I hope it's going to be exciting whether there's goals or not. I'm I'm not as sure as you, but there I think there will be action. And and finally, I just want to bring up the Man United Aston Villa game because it's on at twelve thirty as well as the um, the Chelsea uh, Man City game. So that's just going to be weird, <laughs> you know. It's been a while since we've had two games on. Is at, there a reason that for that? So. Is it because European games and they're trying to balance the it, calendar it, or what? It was originally supposed to come on at three o'clock, and then um, I think there's another event on in Man- Manchester at the same time. Okay. Uh, I don't know is it a concert or is it a big cricket game or something because there's Old Trafford there as well Um, so I think for policing concerns they've moved it forward but it won't be on TV as far as I know so that's going to be weird as well like (laughs) there's going to be a bunch of people being like oh my United and Villa had this moment happen yeah Uh, and and nobody saw it Um, so that's going to be another uh, I'm reminded of um, 2006-7 is the last time I can remember this happened when uh, Man United played Everton uh, at Goodison Park and then Chelsea went to the Reebok and played <laughs> Bolton against Wanderers. Bolton Wanderers yeah. uh, but that was because both teams were like in a tight title race and Sky were like let's put both games yeah. on um, which they've never done since for some reason um, <laughs> yeah maybe it didn't, it didn't work out that well for them in the end maybe um, but yeah like we'll 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 see like I thought like that match in itself you know if it wasn't for Villa's horrific record generally speaking as Manchester United it would be an interesting match because like obviously Leon Bailey started to actually play well for them which was a you know I had him pegged as a one of the signings of the summer but a, a lot of players people were unsure about him whether he you know he's had a, an indifferent time in recent times 
Uh, so whether he could actually pull it all together and do something for Villa, but he seems to be able to, and Villa seem to have been able to, you know, even without Grealish in the side, have been able to string together creativity in their team. So I think it could be interesting because I think that style of football doesn't necessarily get the, you know, it it, it doesn't work well against Manchester United or Gunnar Solskjaer, that kind of swashbuckling antics that it lets Solskjaer play the counter-attacking game that he wants to play. So I think that match could definitely have goals in it. Yeah, which uh, might be exactly what we need with the other game yeah. being the tight technical tactical affair of uh, one for the purists. Yeah, strategic uh, nil all draw. That, that's what that. Might <laughs> yeah. Be. Uh, but until then, I suppose we'll be back next week to the preview that preview or review all of that. Uh, but until then, thank you for being here, Andrew. Thank you for having me, Declan. And we'll be back again next week. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then don't forget you can tell family and friends about the show. Spread the word of the Total Football Takeover. This show can also be found on podcast services, including Spotify, by searching Total Football Podcast. You can also subscribe to my own Medium page in the show notes. You can follow Andrew on Twitter at Conbon27, C-O-N-B-O-N, and myself at CheesyHeartPun, C-H-E-E-S-Y-H-I-R-T-E-P-U-N. Most of all, thank you for listening, and we hope to be in your download feed next week too. The more the merrier. That's what we always say.